Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halex. We are so happy to be with you. <laughs> we've yeah, we're, like, we're really looking forward to being back into the studio. Today. Yeah, we've had a lot of gallivanting lately. and We've just returned from a trip out to the East Coast, to Fredericton, New Brunswick, where we went to the National Community Radio Conference, the annual one, and my necklace is making noise on the table. Yeah, we we got to off. hang out with all of our fellow radio um, uh, Geeks. <laughs> I'm going to call us geeks. Radio geeks. So we, and, and we all have the same passion, right, for different parts of what we do. So, yes. So yes, we're, we're, we're back. thrilled to be back in this We're studio. in action, and we have someone with us, because we love yes. interviewing people. So, we have Lee Hodgins with us, and Luca met her first, so I'm going to let her introduce her. Yes. Well, uh, we were just talking about um, how the... the um, the connections go, all of these magical connections that we have. And um, I was doing a reading circle probably about six months ago now and met Deb, Deb Cheney, and and you know Deb Cheney. So welcome to the studio. Thank We're you. delighted to have you here. <laughs> and um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what that connection was that you had with Deb. And, and she it has to do with horses. So I will preface the whole thing by saying we're going to have a horsey conversation today. <laughs> and and uh, I've been interested for a long, long time in that that wonderful interface between horses and humans and and how healing it can be mm-hmm. and and the service that horses really provide to us and how intelligent and how emotionally intelligent horses are. So with that preface, I will let you introduce it much better <laughs> than I possibly can, but welcome, Lee. Okay, well, thank you very much. What would you call yourself with what you be and you do? I'm a facilitator of equine experiential learning, uh-huh. which means I just work between the client and the horse. The horse is actually the teacher, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. the amazing, magical part. It's a form of equine-assisted therapy, and in some people just trust being around uh, an animal better and telling them the deep, dark secrets. I don't necessarily have to know. You can give me the overview. Maybe it's about grief or maybe it's you're having some anxiety. But when you have those conversations with the horse, when we set up these mindful activities, I don't need to be a part of that. And it's amazing how the horses will hold space for you. Well, I imagine that the, that the person wouldn't even necessarily need to know what the thing is either right like it might be that they just need to be with the horse and the horse will help them to figure it out yeah absolutely what i like to do is just have an idea so we can set up those mindful activities to work towards that yeah and have that reflection and have the heart connection with the horse and then mm-hmm. you you go off and I'm, I'm close by because all these activities are you know within a round pen the horse is loose so it's not like I'm standing there holding on so it's at will which mm-hmm. makes a difference with what we do with feel is the horses do it if they want to we ask the horses we tell them in advance we've got clients and quite often my mare Reba will say yeah not today and takes off mm-hmm. my gelding on mm-hmm. the other hand is this always pick me pick me because he loves working with people he has no personal space issues he wants to be in your personal space at all times <laughs> whereas Reba's a little bit more laid back so you have two 
two horses you I, do this with. I do. So how do you go and ask a horse? You just talk to them like you're having a normal conversation. So do you do that like at the beginning of the day when yeah, you every, go in to feed them? Like, every like, morning I go in yeah. and I have a check in with them, see how they're doing, and I just talk to them as if they were another person. And I know that sounds a little odd, but uh, for years that I've had the horses, even when I was going through bad times before I even took this field training, it just felt good talking to them. I felt calmer. And mm-hmm. I didn't know the science or understand any of the connections behind that. I just knew I felt better being in the barn with the horses. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing once I learned the science behind it and actually um, the heart resonance that you can have with a horse, a connection. So tell us more about that. What is the science that you've discovered that is the maybe that's that's another language of expressing and understanding what it is that you've experienced. Exactly. And it's nice to have that science because not everybody is open to just going and hanging with horses and watch the magic happen. So it's it's about your wording and it's having the science behind it so you can explain it to people that are always in their head or more analytical. Um, the Institute of Heart Math in California has actually done uh, a lot of research over 20 years about the heart connections and they did a study about experiential learning in horses and people and their discovery was quite significant about the electromagnetic field of a horse's heart and how that affects us. And they have big hearts because they're big creatures. Exactly. They're prey animals. So they're very intuitive and they need to know if a cougar half a mile down the road is eaten or if it's hungry and react accordingly. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's huge. Now, y- you were saying um, that you have a, was it a rug that you were uh, hooking? Yes. That you were hooking when you were a child and you rediscovered it. Yes, and, actually. And, and now you're realizing that you knew about horses and your connection to horses way before you ever did anything about it. Oh, absolutely. W- what what was it that you were hooking and how did you come to discover it again? Okay. It was, it was probably... 13 or 14 when I was doing it and it was a picture of a, a red barn with this palomino horse and green fields blue sky you know and I guess it was my dream that one day I'm going to have a horse and I was cleaning out the, my studio for my workshop where I'd, I'd hold these sessions and in there was this rug and it's half finished but it's got a palomino horse on I had a palomino horse the barn's red my barn's green but you know I just had this sense at a young age that one day I'm going to have my own horses. And I've probably been horse crazy since I was five years old. And my dad had taken me to his friend's Shetland ponies. And ever since then, it's... So you didn't come from a horsey family. You no. don't have a long history in your family of, of being involved with horses or owning horses. No, my dad grew up in, on the farm in Saskatoon. So there was horses there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. My mom grew up in London, England, so there was no horses there. But, you know, just always wanted to ride as a teenager, riding horses and showing and doing stuff. But it wasn't until I was in my adult life that I could actually get my own horses. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you started your career out in a completely different area. Oh, absolutely. Um, so where did you start and how did you make that transition into your love, yeah. which is the horses? Yeah, that was, the universe had to do a lot of things to get me on the path, on the right path. <laughs> um, and, the, and needless to say, you're not a teenager anymore. No, no, it's a few years since then. So yeah. um, 
I actually wanted to be a lawyer or an architect, and then I had to throw out the architect part when I discovered you had to know math really well. <laughs> that was not my forte. And that wasn't heart math. Yes, no. exactly. <laughs> so I thought, well, legal would be interesting. You know, be a lawyer, but I thought I'll be a legal secretary, went to school, and try that and see what, you know, being in a law firm is like. And it was interesting, but then I pers- persevered and got into a, a decent size law firm down in Vancouver and into corporate and I just had this knack for things you know black and white you know there's all these rules to follow it was perfect because that was the way I was brought up Mm. and I over about 20 years I spent in law two different law firms and then after that I got the opportunity to join uh, in-house at uh, West Coast Energy or Spectra Energy in their legal department. And that sort of appealed to me. I mean, pipelines weren't sexy, but I mean, you know, maybe I'll get natural gas to my house. It didn't happen, though. Um, But I enjoyed working there. I worked there for 16 years. Um, It was actually a great organization. The executive team, management team, high emotional intelligence. Um, I got to learn Yeah, which was surprising (laughs) after being in law firms with lawyers for 20 years. Yeah. Not necessarily good cultures. Um, So I got to thrive there, and whatever I wanted to take on, you know, I could take on a lot of opportunities, traveling. Mm. It was great. Mm. And then in 2015, I was downsized. Mm. And I probably would have stayed there for the rest of my career, but I looked at it as an opportunity. You know, there was a lot of things going on in my personal life. Um, My dad was sick. My mom had Alzheimer's. And so, you know, it's just opportunity to do something. So, you know, I took some time off and then quickly got another position. You know, my dad was really happy about that at the time. He's like, yeah, get a job, get a job. Um, and I did the governance consulting for a year. But with stuff going on in my personal life, I just had to leave that after a year and, and deal with my personal stuff. And then I was figuring, like, what's next? You know, I'm kind of at the age where you don't go right back into finding something, a new career. And then I came across the training to be a field facilitator, work with horses. And I didn't give it much thought except that, uh, if nothing else, I'm going to have a really good relationship with my horse, and then maybe over that time I'll figure out. So you had a horse by then? Yeah, I had two horses. I've had horses probably for the last 15 years. And Mm -hmm. I thought, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. After the first day of the training, I thought, this is amazing. Everybody, the world needs more horses. Mm. You know, it it doesn't matter who you are and what your background is. Horses will make you feel better. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, we all come into this world with challenges. Everybody's got them. Mm-hmm. But being around a horse there's and doing these mindful activities can make you feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go back to that job that you're not really thrilled about, you know, to get uh, paid. and But we can give you ways of working around that and managing that and feeling good. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's about breathing techniques, about all these kind of great things that will make you feel better. So how did you first come across this idea that the horses could do something for people? Probably when I was going through my divorce and I had to go out and feed the horses every night. And it was, you know, it was just a tough time. Mm. You know, that's a big change in your life and it's emotional, it's upsetting. Mm. But I just know being out in the barn, you know, cleaning the barn every night, I just felt better. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I didn't know anything about that. I just thought being around the horses, being the smell or whatever it was, I just mm-hmm. felt better. Mm-hmm. Um, for anybody who's just joining us right now, we're speaking with Lee Hodgins, who is a feline, or no, not feline. <laughs> I'm the cat person. That's where that's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Facilitator of equine experience, experiential learning. 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 Yes. Okay, I will get that through my mouth much easier by the time we are done here. Um, I'm curious, 
we've we talked about the the science and by the way I sent a tweet out with a link to the HeartMath Institute and mm-hmm. specifically the study that you're referring to I was able to do a quick doo I found it on Google and uh, so if anybody if you're curious about uh, reading up on that if you go to our Twitter feed you can find that um, you can find that at EssentialConv that's spelled Essence T-I-A-L-C-O-N-V uh, we're tweeting out little quotes and links to things that Lee is talking about today that's the scientific stuff but and you were just describing what you the impact that you were experiencing mm-hmm. while you were going through some emotionally difficult times mm-hmm. what do you think now using your own language what do you think the what is going on with the horses what are they doing because the horses are highly intuitive because their life depends on it They read your body language. They know your blood pressure, your heart rate, your muscle tension. They mirror back what's going on inside of you. Even if you put on that happy face and you're not, you're a turmoil mess inside, they're going to react accordingly. Uh, We had a workshop where some people were probably on verge of burnout. And before we went into the ring, we said, you know, what's your energy level right now? between one and ten. Oh, it's about a six. Okay, let's go in. Well, we got in there, the horse is running and bucking and kicking. It's like, let's go out and try some breathing again because the horse is telling me otherwise. So that in itself, like, it's, it's incredible. It's what kind of, that sounds like, um, I'm not going to swear, a BS detector mm-hmm. <clears throat> where we can't Absolutely. fool ourselves. Yeah. They're going to let us know what's really going on for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what it, it really comes down to is horses teach you to become authentic. You can't fool the horse. Um, even if you think, hey, I've got this one, you know, you're in your head all the time, the horses will call you out on it instantly. So they're they're reflecting back to you in their behavior what's going on in your behavior, but they're magnifying it. Exactly. Um, or, or they're reflecting it at the level it really is, and you're hiding. Absolutely. Um, so w- when, when they do that... Mm-hmm. Um, that that then gives information back to the person mm-hmm. who's experiencing whatever they're experiencing. So what happens after that? Once they can see it reflected in a big animal. Yeah, and it's not and because horses don't judge. So you can't say, "Oh, you're just doing that cuz you don't like what I'm wearing or you don't like my personality." You know, it's pretty black it's and white. It's very basic. Yeah, you can't you can't argue with that. So you have to face up to whatever's going on inside of you, or you can just bury it again and continue on with your life. But usually by that point, if you've come to the horses, you know there's stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And I think we all know this to a certain degree now that, you know, once you start uncovering things, you know, why bury it? Because it's Mm going to come back and rear its ugly head anyways. So, And even that language. Think about that, right? Rearing the head. That is yeah. that. These are there That's are what phrases. Do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, these are phrases that. Until you said that, I haven't even thought about that before. That that is that's a horse phrase. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, rearing its head and bucking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And getting back in the saddle. I mean, with all these <laughs> yes. terms that we. Ref- I mm. mean, it's part. It is. Par- it was part of frontier culture. Absolutely. Right? But it is and a part of our frontier language. nation. Mm-hmm. It's part of our language for a reason. Yes. These are phrases They're useful that help to express. Uh, something that we we really do um, that maybe we haven't come up with an English term for it, but (laughs) we have a horse term. (laughs) Yeah, we've got a horse term. Yeah. Yeah. So once they can see that this is what's going on, Mm -hmm. I assume that as the facilitator, you come in with some techniques and exercises and things for them to do to work with this a little bit. Yeah, depending on what they show, because the horses will do various things. 
And there's sometimes I, I can't, and because I am not a therapist, mm-hmm. I just ask the client questions. So what's going on for you right now? Or what are you experiencing? And see what they can dig from themselves. Because we mm-hmm. can all, we, we all really know the answer deep down aside, mm-hmm. but it's coming up with mm-hmm. it and facing it, facing the reality or being <clears throat> aware of it, more aware of it. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you don't really know what's going on. So... I'll ask them, depending on what the horse is doing, because there are little things that the horse will do. You know, sometimes if they're talking to the horse about or reading a letter that they've got and the horse will keep pawing the ground, he's saying, dig deeper. Don't just do, this is not just a surface exercise. We actually want you to go deeper with this. Mm -hmm. So I'll ask the questions. But there's sometimes there's things that happen that the horse will do that I may not bring up right away because... You know, the horse, working with the horses affects change very quickly. And there could be things buried in there you don't want to bring up right away. Mm-hmm. So you just sort of take the time. So you let time. the client take the lead. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. just take, take the time and read the situation. And with our work, we always um, make sure that if there's an issue with a client, you know, if they're talking about harming themselves or harming somebody else, that, you know, we have to call that in. We mm-hmm. have a responsibility or to refer them to a, a therapist Yeah, mm-hmm. because, you know, that's pretty deep <coughs> stuff that some of them are dealing with. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting to me. I've had a um, long more years ago than I'm starting to want to admit that how many years ago it was, I was doing a psychology degree and uh, it was focusing on um, child abuse Mm -hmm. and especially sexual abuse and its impacts. Mm -hmm. And I can remember having a thought as I was reading through some of the material which was talking about the sexualization of children. Mm -hmm. So when they've been exposed to sexual material or sexual behavior, long before they even know what sex is and it's and it's like it has it produces a short circuit in their brain they don't know how to interact with their peers Mm -hmm. or with other adults outside of a sexual way because this is what has become normalized to them Mm -hmm. and i remember having a thought at that time of i wonder if a therapy could be introduced which i haven't heard of yet but i feel like we're we're right in the zone here Mm -hmm. which is where those children are interacting with animals because animals Mm -hmm. You're going to default to yeah. a more neutral, uh, tender, taking care of, relating on a playful level. Yeah. On a, you know, how do you engage? It, it kind of removes that whole component exactly. of what got messed up with the humans. Is this something that you have found that's that's come out? It's part of what you've witnessed as healing. I haven't had any personal experience with it, but I've understood other facilitators have seen that, that the horse will do certain things around the person's body. Um, The horses tend to focus in, even for example, I had some friends come over and they hadn't met Jack yet, my new horse, and he was just playing around, grabbing their zipper, you know, lighting lighting the situation up, you know, making them laugh and be relaxed. And then he went for my girlfriend's shoulder and started playing with his shoulder and neck, and I said, What's going on there with your shoulder? Oh, it's mm. my frozen shoulder. They can't lift up my arm. Oh, wow. And I thought, that's interesting. And then the next day she had uh, texted me and said, oh, I cleaned out my basement, got my mom's, my brother's stuff out of there. I haven't, you know, it's been this sitting there for 10 years, but she was motivated, but she was felt physically able to do that. Was there a connection? Perhaps. Well, yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 So, wow. and, and we had another woman come to our workshop and Jack kept going and clearing her around her neck and uh, chest area and he would take he'd start yawning and he was releasing tension from her and I said wow that's interesting what's going on with you and she said well I've been in two car accidents and I've got whiplash the horse knew 
Yeah, so that's fascinating. It is. So I imagine that there are certain things that <clears throat> in your training they taught you mm-hmm. that are significant in terms of what horses do yes. to indicate certain conditions and uh, to release and and are your horses teaching you things that you didn't learn in your training that are their language for letting go of something oh, oh that's interesting i like that question yeah <laughs> actually no that's a good question because i imagine this is an evolving field and so yeah. all of you as facilitators will mm-hmm. be noticing things and adding to the body of no- overall body of knowledge absolutely and my horses are older they're in their 20s their background they used to be show horses but the qu- quarter horses are very mm-hmm. quiet mm-hmm. so we they had a lot of training put into them so but we did some additional training but absolutely because when i first had jack and reba there's no way that they were you know releasing tension from people and stuff and it just seems to build with them and some of the things they do and it's i'm always amazed so they're learning too absolutely yeah and they're thriving on this and they're teaching you absolutely yeah um so anybody who's just joining us we're talking with lee hodgins uh who works as a uh, i was going to say feline again (laughs) (laughs) facilitator of equine experiential learning and um Oh man, my question was right there and it just kind of slipped. It has to do with um, with the horses and what is it do they get, do you perceive, from this relationship with you, this mm-hmm. relationship with the clients? Well, as I said, my horses are older and they're retired and so they've spent their days in the field, but they actually have a sense of purpose now. Uh, Reba, who's my mare, we had lost my donkey and my other horse in the last two years, and she was really depressed, wasn't really happy. She couldn't be ridden. She had some lameness issues. And now she's just come alive. Like, she's Mm. very powerful and very good with teaching women how to stand in your power. So she's... She's looking so much better. She looks younger now than she did a couple years ago. And Jack is just enjoying it. He came from a barn where he was ridden by a a lot of young girls. And it was kind of boring for him at first, but he needed to be a horse first. He needed to be out in the pasture and just hang out. And now he gets excited. Anytime somebody comes over, it's like, oh, what are we doing now? You know, he wants to be right there. Um, His forte is teaching boundaries. Because oh. he has none, so you, when you're drawing <laughs> your boundaries, you have to pr- make sure that you're standing in your power and very definite in what you're doing. Otherwise, he'll just walk right through you. So it, it's hilarious to see. It's like really, uh, let's try that again. You know? <laughs> so this th- is fascinating. Yeah. So they're really growing. So you've brought two songs for us today. Uh, which song would you like to play first? Uh, the Tom Petty one. I was feeling that one is a good one, too, first to start with. So we've got Tom Petty's Learning to Fly. Would you like to tell us before or after we listen to it why you chose it? Uh, afterwards. Okay. All right. Let's take a listen to Tom Petty's Learning to Fly. We will rejoin Lee Hutchins here in the studio in just a few minutes.
We respectfully acknowledge that we broadcast on unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish peoples, the Squamish, the Musqueam, and the Tsleil-Waututh. This is CGSF 90.1 FM. Welcome back to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca, with your co-host, Luca. And we are here with Lee Hodgins. And we just listened to Tom Petty singing Learning to Fly. And Lee promised us that she was going to tell us afterwards why she chose that song. So over to you, Lee. Okay, thank you. Uh, Learning to Fly is representative of my life. Um, now and probably in the last 10 years I've gone through a lot of change when I started out um, you know coming up with a career and what I'm going to do I'd actually was very good at organizing planning I knew everything that was going to happen and when it was going to happen and I just made it happen and that's a great way to live because you know exactly what you're going for but there's at some point you think this is it you know what's going to happen how much fun is that Mm. Um, it wasn't until uh, when I was working at West Coast Energy, they actually sponsored me to go back to school. So I came back to SFU 
while working to get an undergrad in liberal business studies. And that started opening my mind again and my po- the possibilities. Mm. It was just a slight little door opening. But from then on, the last 11 years, my whole life has changed, except for where I live and one of my horses. Mm-hmm. Everything has changed. Mm-hmm. And probably 20 years ago, I could not have survived those changes because oh, change is so scary and so awful. But actually, change is great. I am a firm believer of change. You know, if something happens, there's a reason for it. And there's going to be some great things that's going to come out of that. So this, every time I hear this song, it makes me smile because it's, I'm always learning to fly. You know, every single day is different. I don't know what's going to happen. Any desirable stuff, less desirable, it's, it's life. That's the way it happens. And how to manage going through life so you get the dark clouds and the bad stuff. That means there's just something better down the road for you. The universe is trying to get you on the right path. And it, it's all good. It's okay. It shouldn't be scary. So when I hear this song, I just smile and it just lightens my heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that you had to use yourself as a guinea pig when you were first learning how to do this. Yes. Um, so what did you learn in your interaction with the horses um, when you were kind of shifting them over from horses that you ride mm-hmm. to horses that you partner with partner with in a way Mm. collaborate with absolutely it's a partnership and as i said before we only do things if they're up for it if they don't want to do it we don't do it Mm -hmm. so one of the first reflective i guess it was a um um one of the first activities i did with a horse it wasn't my horse it was during our training we had to ask them we had to tell them what our intention was and my intention was to be emotional agile emotional agility it's it's not an easy thing for me because I had a lot of things pent up and you know it was, it was still stilted so I said I wanted emotional agility and I worked with a horse that I I got along well with it's the end of the day and I thought I've got this I can ask him to walk around me rock walk around the ring once then trot and reverse and go back the other way no problem after I told him what I wanted to do, I backed up into the center of the ring, and we weren't touching the horse. We had no lead on them. All we could do is touch them and talk to them. So I got in the center of the arena, and I said, okay, let's do this. Well, he kept standing right in front of me and put his head on my heart. And I was like, come on, you know, we got this. I know what we're doing. And at the time, I had my dog who was a couple hundred feet away, and he was tied up. He couldn't see what was going on, but he started to cry. And I have... Uh, e-collar and I just just for a vibration and it was in my back pocket well the horse started to go from my back pocket where the the remote control was and so I'm facing all this stuff and I'm getting frustrated and one of the facilitators came in and started talking to me and said you know what's going on for you and I said I know this stuff I just can't I was too much in my head and the horse knew it so he was standing holding space for me and put his head on my heart and it was a a good three or four minutes you know, just being there in the moment where I had to get into my heart. And then once I did, and I backed up, and I asked him, and he just started walking when I asked him around the arena, and then when I asked him to reverse, go back the other way, no problem. But it was my ego that got on the way in the way, thinking, hey, I got this, we got a good connection, we can do this, it's just an activity, right? But it's not actually fully getting into my heart. So that, that was uh, probably a turning point for me, is wow. 
Well, know? look what wow. this can do. And not just the horse, but the dog also. Exactly. Very Having that connection. It's just we, we're all connected by energy. Mm-hmm. And um, whether y- you acknowledge it or not, I mean, we can all identify when we walk into a room and somebody's just had a fight. <laughs> you could feel that energy. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> or when somebody is very anxious beside you, you your, your own shoulders tense up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We mm-hmm. all have that experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we've all found our way to finding language for it Mm -hmm. to describe that energy exchange exactly yeah so it's um the other thing that's sort of a byproduct of this and this is going back to ancient time is being more intuitive and trusting yourself and we need to do that more often because that that increases our emotional intelligence where we can switch back and forth come up Mm -hmm. with creative ideas i think albert einstein was um one of the forefront people about this about intuition and that's why his brain was so well developed and so he was so brilliant because he could switch back and forth very easily Mm -hmm. so we need to get Mm -hmm. more back into that Mm -hmm. and not be in our head and communicate with people better and just have that fluidity between the brains yeah the the intuition uh, since you say einstein i'm thinking about how when we step back and we and there's this this hit of insight but we have to have let go of the nuts and bolts yes and then once we have the hit of insights and we can go back to well how can that be possible it's like you can look from a different angle exactly are you able to speak more to um what it is about how horses have developed through evolution to why they were intuition why they're so intuitive you you hinted at it earlier Mm -hmm. but i wonder if you have more that you could say about that well, it's their survival mechanism. So, I mean, they're prey animals, so they, they need that. But that's something they've never lost. The other thing that I found with horses, and that's it's been known and we've learned in our training, is that dealing with emotions. Horses treat emotion as information. It's not good or bad. It's desirable, less desirable. You know, as soon as they get that information, they react. Either they run off or they continue grazing. As humans, we don't do that. We hold on to it. We overthink it. We overanalyze it. We get stressed. We get anxiety. If we can be more like the horses in processing our our emotions mm-hmm. and learning what's behind the message, you know, what's causing this, the exhilaration, you know, and trying to feel it out and then coming up with a solution and action to counteract that. Because animals don't lie, do they? No. So they don't dissemble. They don't no. cover up. They there's, can't. No, there's no judgment. Um, there's there's no judgment, and there's no nothing that comes out of the judgment, which would mean to Any hide something. They're no. Yeah. They're not experiencing shame around mm-hmm. um, anything no. that they may pick up. Exactly. Never mind what you pick up. Exactly. So it's, it's big. We were talking a little earlier about the corporate environment mm-hmm. um, and, and that you came out of that legal corporate environment. Um, and you also said that, that when people, people come and work with you, you it's a workshop. Yes. So how, how, does that, how does that happen? If somebody wants to come and work with you, mm-hmm. how, how does that process how how is it initiated, and then how does somebody work through? Do they come for a weekend, or do they come for just one visit? Is mm-hmm. it a series of visits? How do, how does that work? Uh, we hold both workshops, and then we do. I also do one on one sessions. Mm-hmm. When people first come to me, if they've not been around horses at all or not familiar with this, I always recommend that they do four sessions, mm-hmm. and each session is an hour and a half long because there's some 
theory behind it. So you can mm. understand energy, and we do dousing rods, so mm. we can show um, the energy layers and personal space. Um, just it's a building block because mm. your cells take time to absorb this in. Mm-hmm. And so by the time, in each session, we do an activity, mindful activity with the horse as well. So you get your horse time. Mm-hmm. But there's diving down into your intuition. There's a lot of stuff going on, and it could be mm-hmm. overwhelming. And even though, you know, you're coming here to deal with, say, grief, you know, let's get on with this. I want to get rid of it. No, there's a process. Let's slow it down. Let's see what else is going on here. Mm-hmm. And so it's being out in nature, and it's pretty amazing. And right now, it's just sort of word of mouth. This is not something you can market, you know. You know, how do you go out and tell people they need horses? <laughs> so <laughs> right now it's just yeah. about mindfulness and, yeah. and hanging out with the horses. People are intrigued by horses, and they just want to learn more, mm-hmm. you know, if they're open to it. It's interesting, you know, or you can come with a one-day workshop, which gives you a smattering of what you can do and different activities and stuff. And each time it's pretty special, pretty magical what happens. I've mm-hmm. heard there's something significant about their size. Um, especially for, and, and I saw a clip of this in a documentary once about a, a, some big men, and I think they were coming out of corp- a corporate environment, mm-hmm. um, and that there was there was a measure of safety for them in working with a, a creature that was mm, so big, than bigger yeah. than they were. Exactly. I, th- I think, especially with men, um, they're hanging out with a big horse, so already they feel, you know, they're not marginalized or minimized. You know, they're working with a big animal and think, hey, I, I got this. Even if they're scared initially, you don't have to be right up and close to the horse. You can be on the other side of the fence. And it's pretty special how quickly people, even children, I've had some children come into the bar and, oh, it smells in here. Oh, look at that big <laughs> horse. And by the end, it's like, this is the best day ever, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. patting and grooming the horse. Mm-hmm. It's getting over the fears, even mm-hmm. if it's just fear of being around a big animal. Mm-hmm. Because if you can handle, for example, if you're a young woman and you're leading that 1,200-pound horse down the driveway, no problem. Some person in the office is giving you the gears, won't be a problem at all. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was just thinking that it's so, sort of symbolic mm-hmm. of all the things that feel bigger than us in life. Yeah. Like grief, like big emotions, mm-hmm. um, and those those big Big, big fears. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you done any work um, so far with people who are in, like, come, come out of a corporate environment? Have you done any work with, like, groups of people from, like, working teams or anything like that? Not yet. I'm hoping to set up, like, some um, team building events because that would be perfect, you know, getting people work together, communicate together. Mm-hmm. Um, because working with a horse, that's different. That's body language, right? And you've got to get it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Though, and I keep talking to my friends in the corporate world, and you know, they're short of eye rolling, but it's mm-hmm. it's getting the language right with them, and just saying, hey, come out, and just come out and see the horses, and just you know, see, come and see what you you might be interested in doing something like that. And mm-hmm. when you can talk about building teamwork and increasing their leadership skills, you know, you catch their attention. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that I'm going to get a couple <coughs> people out, and just that way because. If that is what it takes, you know, people want to follow somebody that they trust, uh, that they feel safe with, that's going to be empathetic, but has boundaries as well. Well, so much of this is about trust, isn't it? It is. And boy, can the horses feel that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. They know where there's trust and where there isn't trust. Yeah. And they'll react to it Mm -hmm. immediately. Yeah, absolutely. So we're speaking with Lee Hodgkins, if you're just joining us. Sorry, not Hodgkins, Hodgins. Um, And I have a question for you. Your business is named Willow Spirit Path. Yes. Could you tell me 
about that. You hinted that there was a story behind the name yes. earlier. Yes, there is. Um, because in the corporate world, I this is my, my realm of uh, incorporating businesses, coming up with business names, and I'm thinking something that wasn't too woo-woo, as my corporate friends would say. Um, <laughs> I had a willow tree, and I still have a willow tree in my driveway, and in 30 years, twice it's gotten very large, and in winter storms, it's broken in half and wow. over the driveway. And yet, every spring, it doesn't matter, it just looks like a stump, it keeps coming back. And I thought, wow, you know, if we can live like a willow and just go with the wind and just flow with it, and it doesn't matter what happens to you, you still get back up. Um, and so I did some research on the willow, and there's a lot of spirit stuff that goes on with the willow, mm. the goddess, of the willow goddess and stuff. So that really appealed to me in something that's actually on my property. And, you know, just finding your path yeah. in life, whatever yeah. that may be, but not settling, you know. And it feels like that relates to your second song. Yes. <laughs> the willow tree. And it's not not every year, but occasional snap in half, which, boy, that does sound like what life does to all of us at Absolutely. times. So we've got Tim McGraw's Humble and Kind. Mm -hmm. And would you like to tell us before or after we listen to well, this Well, I can song? tell you about this okay, one. Okay, tell us. Um, I just feel that, you know, so often we're so busy in our lives and it's all about getting stuff done, but not really living compassionately from our heart. And if we were all a bit nicer to people, this world would be a nicer place. And his song captures that for me. It just says it nicely, and it feels good listening to this song, and it's just a good reminder. Beautiful. Take the time. So we'll listen to Tim McGraw's Humble and Kind, and we will rejoin Lee Hodgins in the studio in just a few minutes. by the front door Don't forget the keys under the mat When childhood stars shine Always stay humble and kind Go to church cause your mom says to Visit grandpa every chance that you can It won't be wasted time Always stay humble and kind Oh, the door said please, said thank you Don't steal, don't cheat, don't lie I know you got mountains to climb But always stay humble and kind When the dreams you're dreaming come to you Feel the proud, but always stay humble and 
root beer popsicle Shut off the AC and roll the windows down Let that summer sun shine Always stay humble and kind Don't take for granted the love this life gives you When you get where you're going Don't forget, turn back around Help the next one in line Always stay humble and kind You're listening to 90.1 FM CJSF. Welcome back to Essential Conversations with your hosts, Rebecca and Luca. And I'm going to pass it right back over. Yeah, we were just talking about um, how we can feel a lie and we can feel truth and trust and um, all of those uh, emotional it's it's almost like an emotional language, mm-hmm. but you mentioned the Schumann resonance. Yes. Can can you tell us a little bit about what your understanding is of that? And I know it's not deep, but yes. um, and we'll and we'll also tweet it out so that if anybody wants to know more about this, they can investigate on their own. But yeah, because it's it's really interesting and it is mm-hmm. very deep and it involves the the planets and everything. But basically, what I understand it to be is just the heartbeat of the Earth. And this year alone has been crazier than most. And because the moon affects our tides, it affects our emotions, affects people differently. So this has been affecting the world. It's not just, you know, our corner of the Earth. So um, maybe we can look at that and say, you know, maybe it's the world or the Earth or the universe correcting itself right now with all the crazy stuff that's going on, the weather being very extreme Mm -hmm. in either end of the spectrum, um, right down to people's behaviors. And we've also got solar flares, and we've got, there's, there's all kinds of things in the greater cosmos that affect us yes. on an Earth level. Yes. Um, and maybe having more language around it and more awareness of it gives us some more options in terms of how to, how to work with, with it all better. of this. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I was, I was thinking about what you were saying about your horses and about how the mare and the gelding work with you differently. They both have different personalities mm-hmm. and that you've got two horses right now. Do you have any, and, and you, you also said that you um, adopt horses or rescue horses. Yes. That's- um, do you have any plans to have any more? Yes. Or, and do you ever have people who come to you where you say, well, I think I know somebody else who's got a horse who would work with you better? <laughs> well, um, I do have one stall left, and we've been looking for a donkey since our last donkey passed mm-hmm. away. And donkeys are popular now, so they make it to the donkey sanctuary where they don't leave, or, you mm-hmm. know, they're extremely expensive. So I have, I put it out to my horse friends, uh, you know, if you know any retired horses, you know, that have had the training that are not just off the track, you know, because mm-hmm. they have to have their stuff dealt with as well, as mm-hmm. well as us as as facilitators so it's really important that they've had a good home up until now had some training put into them and are just looking for a quiet home you know maybe to be ridden occasionally but to join the herd Mm -hmm. and do this work they have to be adaptable Uh, Mm -hmm. when I went out to meet Jack I talked to him and you know said what do you think you interested you know coming and it's going to be a quiet and he was very amenable to it and I know Mm -hmm. that sounds funny having a conversation with a horse but you do get a good feeling we have conversations with our dogs all the time (laughs) 
if you think about dogs it. Dogs and birds and cats. And, and, well, I have conversations with my cats, yes. yes. But yes, I mean, I know yes. that I've heard the majority of humans around me, most mm-hmm. people would have dogs rather than <laughs> cats necessarily. And they, they, you know, you said, do you want to go for a walk? You know when you get a yes. Yes, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. So I can imagine that you would also, when you get to know your horses, you would know when, when you get a yes. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I, I I work intuitively and, and I have gone and, and spoken to horses before mm-hmm. now yeah. um, who are who belong to people I know okay. and and one woman I know was trying to adopt a horse mm-hmm. and she wanted to know if the horse had any objections mm-hmm. to it. She said, I wish I could know that and I said, Well actually I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll come and talk to it. And the it there's a there's it's sacred. The conversation that you have with them mm-hmm. they it's like you f- you feel it from the inside. It's like it's not a it's not an in words conversation. Yeah. It's a it's a feeling and a knowing and and you pick up their emotions and and I I can see it sometimes. So I imagine that the conversation with the horses is different depending on how each person experiences their own intuition. But then there's the horse experiencing theirs. When you said that the horses have to have dealt with their own stuff, mm-hmm. what's the preparation that goes in from the feel program mm-hmm. um, to help to prepare a horse to do this kind of work and to help the horse to know if it wants to do this kind of work? Well, we have a series of exercises that we need to do. One of them, for example, is ground tying, meaning that the horse stands with his lead on the ground and you be able to walk around him calmly, not mm-hmm. fastly, mm-hmm. Uh, calmly yeah, yeah. walking around him uh, to ensure that he will stand for a client. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want a young horse running around. They have to be calm. Um, another one is going through and... Um, being able to be with a horse off lead and not react badly. Mm-hmm. There's uh, all these, and we have to do a series. So of they have to be safe. Absolutely, with the client. exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have all the safety measures put in place. But mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, they've got to be safe. You've got to trust your partner that you're working with. Mm-hmm. That's why I am not going to go to another farm and work somebody else's horses because mm-hmm. I don't know the horses. Right. I don't know mm-hmm. their background, mm-hmm. and they do have to have the training put into them. You also need to be sure that they're in a continuously secure and safe and stabilized environment for themselves if they're doing this work. Absolutely. Which is interesting because we as humans don't always guarantee that for ourselves, even yes. though we might be doing yeah. work where we're Absolutely. supposed to be meant to be healing others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to know, you mentioned that the horses that, maybe there's a lot of horses that have the potential to do this work, mm-hmm. but especially you know with the empty stall that you're looking at right now, you'd mm-hmm. want to see horses that have already taken care of their work. Mm-hmm. What kind of work have you witnessed that some horses need to have done for themselves? Well, unfortunately, horses, especially in an economic downturn, they're usually the first thing to go. You know, somebody's owned a bunch of horses and they have to downsize, you know, and a lot of times they'll end up in an auction, possibly a meat auction. So just not having the safe environment, you know, shifting from house um, home to home, you know, that's hard on them. Mm-hmm. Even though they may not show it, it is hard on their psyche and where they're coming from. They don't feel safe or secure. Mm. Um, being on the track, ridden two and three, and I mean, that's crazy. I mean, a lot of people now are looking when you train a horse, it's four and five. You don't do it so early. So like people, they can pick up stuff as well. They're not treated all the same. They're not treated well, mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that that horse is grounded and it doesn't have any hiccups in its past that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. The, the horse I was talking to had had two foals and they had both been taken away yeah 
and she didn't know where they'd gone and she wanted to know where they were yeah and they were able to explain to her Mm -hmm. where uh, where these where the foals had gone and that the foals were okay yeah so it's very similar to human emotions around absolutely um being deserted and abandoned Mm -hmm. and mistreated and not trusted and they also really don't like being lied to Mm -hmm. so if somebody's made a promise and not come through on that promise that bothers them a lot as well it's fascinating mm-hmm. i'm wondering <coughs> if there might also be a parallel um for a lot of humans want to uh a lot of humans who are drawn into healing work mm-hmm. we've been through the ringer we've mm-hmm. been like mm-hmm. the willow tree broken and, and rebirthed mm-hmm. i wonder if th- have you known of uh any horses who are especially good at the feel process who have been through a lot have done a lot of healing mm-hmm. and now are in that different space one of the horses that we trained with um out in langley uh espresso he <laughs> had a, a background that wasn't good and um his owner brenda continued to work with him and even though sometimes when we drew espresso or oh no this because you never knew what espresso was going to show right and it's a challenge for us especially when we're just doing this you know starting off with this but a lot of the times he surprised us Mm. and he was when he needed to be compassionate he was and when he needed to challenge you he was right in challenging us mm-hmm. and so absolutely oh, maybe he was his am- intuition was amped up <laughs> oh yes oh boy now yeah. I, yeah. exactly and and there was another horse gabe he was adopted from a rescue society as well and with one of the trainers as we're going through this i think he had nipped out her pocket so you know, just to get her attention is like, pay attention, you know, mm. you got this. And he wouldn't have done that with a client, but mm-hmm. with her, yeah, he, right. he knew his boundaries with people. So. so if there are people out there right now who are intrigued by listening to this conversation and think that that might be something that would be benefit them or benefit someone they know, how, how would they get in touch with you and how would they find out more about this? Okay. Uh, they can get in touch with me through my either my Facebook page or my website at willowspiritpath.ca. And uh, if you want to just Google uh, Horse Spirit Connections, which is where the organization back in Tottenham, Ontario, that, organ- that actually started this whole field process, um, and you'll learn a lot. They've got some YouTube videos out there that you can learn and just read what's going on. And it's, it's pretty exciting. Or just come out and give me a call and just come out and meet the horses and ask me questions and see if it's something that you'd be interested in doing. Great. So we're, t- we're tweeting out this information for anybody who's interested and wants to be able to connect with you, Lee. Thank you. Um, is there anybody out there that that you'd like to hear from? Like, you've got an empty stall. Would you, <laughs> you know, is that... Yeah, absolutely. Maybe somebody yeah. would know. I'm uh, probably looking for another quarter horse that's been there, done that, um, that's looking for a great home, mm-hmm. to, wants to join my herd, you know, and I'd be... Or a donkey, if somebody's got a donkey out there <laughs> that's got some training in him, because donkeys are incredible animals, um, and they're challenging and... So fun. they can do this, too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Any equines are good fantastic Mm -hmm. even if they're sort of partial um integrated yeah combo equines yes exactly i mean you almost need a degree in psychology working with donkeys but i'm sure we could manage that (laughs)
Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Lee. This is really fascinating. Yeah. I might have to make Such a trip a out to Maple Ridge to come and visit. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling the call. Yeah, I'm sure. thinking the same thing. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. so neat. <laughs> Luca, have you got anything coming up that you'd like to tell people about? Uh, I've got a reading circle coming up on Tuesday um, in East Van. So if anybody's interested in that, that's Tuesday evening. And they can find out more information on my website, which is coming up in a moment. Awesome. I've got a group that I've been talking about on air many, many, for many moons, it seems like, that's now active. So anybody with a background or uh, somebody who they love that's connected to the Worldwide Church of God in their background, I now have a support group that is live on Facebook. Uh, you can find it at The Police of Safety. And until next week. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahallux.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. Happy, 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 happ